Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peach Tree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. Uh, before we get into the Hawks win over the Chicago Bulls today, just a few preliminaries. Uh, if you missed it on the last podcast, ATL and 29 is now a Peach Tree Hoops podcast, so you can find it on the Peach Tree Hoops website. Uh, if you look for it in your favorite podcast catcher, it's not going to have the name ATL and 29, except in the subheadings for the episodes. It's going to be under the title Peachtree Hoops Podcast. All right. Uh, the Hawks beat the Chicago Bulls 123-118 in the second half of their weekend home-in-home series, uh, the first part of which was a four-overtime exhibition of silliness. Uh, this time, I think the thing that stood out was the ejection of Trey Young. Uh, in the f- it seemed like a spillover, honestly, from the first affair in which Trey scored 49 points. This time, Trey and Chris Dunn were going at it again. Uh, somewhere around the five-minute mark of the first quarter, there was a timeout called. Trey attempted a three-point shot after the whistle. Chris Dunn kind of gave him a shoulder block. When he, when he landed, Trey kind of pushed off that shoulder block to get him away. And then Chris Dunn reached back and smacked Trey in the back of the head. And uh, <laughs> for the difference in contact, it was kind of surprising to see that at the end of the timeout, after a video review, the referees gave the two players double technicals. Uh, then in the second half with the Hawks, Holding a 15-point lead, maybe we should say it was a 12-point lead, Trey hit a long three-point shot to make it a 15-point lead. He kind of stared in the direction of Dunn. Dunn had his back turned, and evidently the officials thought that that warranted a second technical foul, which is kind of bogus, given the context of the first technical foul that he didn't really deserve and that he really shouldn't be the player of the two who was ejected, seeing that he got a smack in the head in the first one. But alas, uh, it gave the Hawks an opportunity to see what they could do without him, which is something that they haven't done very well of late. In the past couple of weeks, as Trey has gotten better and better, the Hawks have gotten worse and worse without him, especially without Jeremy Lin around. Uh, But tonight, you know, the Hawks did all right and managed to pull out the win. Uh, they they chipped away at that 15-point lead a little bit, but they ended up winning by five. The head game official met with a pool reporter after the game. 
He was asked three questions. The first one was, why did Trey Young receive the first technical foul? The answer was, the first technical foul was given during a dead ball, during a timeout, for physical contact. Each player made physical contact with each other, so double technical foul on both. No mention of a head there. Why did Trey Young receive the second technical foul? After he made the jump shot, he stared down his opponent and was issued a taunting technical foul for his second one and an ejection. And yeah, by the letter of the law, you know, that will get you a taunting technical unless, of course, uh, you're one of the players that gets the leeway not to get that call. And there are plenty of those players. Uh, maybe soon Trey will be one of them. Third question was, the taunting call is obviously a judgment call. What determines the judgment difference between taunting and celebrating? Taunting is directed at an opponent specifically. Celebration is not directed at an opponent. Okay, fine. That makes sense. Still, uh, there's plenty of taunting that goes on, and it's a judgment call uh, still on who gets it and who doesn't, but but Trey got it, and uh, it, honestly... You know, Lloyd Pierce, after the game, he said it was a learning experience. I think it was a learning experience on both fronts. He meant it was a learning experience for Trey in terms of, you know, knowing the time and place, situation, uh, you know, what to expect. But honestly, it was a learning experience for the Hawks without him, too. Uh, they had to figure out a few things. I thought, in particular, Kevin Herter did a good job. Uh, we'll get to the three stars in a minute, but the Hawks ran a lot of the offense through him. and. You know, it went pretty well. Uh, he had a nice assist, a big wraparound pass to the corner. I think it was to Alex Len. Um, but the, the Hawks put the ball in his hands. He was really sort of the best two-way sort of shooting, passing threat that they had. And, and he did enough to, to help the Hawks get the win. Uh, it would have been nice to have Trey late. Uh, the Hawks were gagging away some free throws at the end. Uh, when the Bulls were fouling intentionally, they only made one of four, but uh, Bazemore made the last of those four and uh, to seal the win. After the game, Trey was asked if he was surprised that Dunn hit him in the head, and he said, I don't know if he's still mad about last game or whatever, but I'm not surprised. Dang. <laughs> That's uh, a pretty good answer. All right. On to the three stars for this one. I promise that I'm not going to do this on a points-per-game basis every single time, but I honestly thought that, that these three players uh, were the best three from this game. And so the third star, I'm going to give it to Jalen Adams. Uh, I don't know if the Bulls just don't have the scouting report on him or not, but... They seemed quite willing to let him shoot open threes, and if Jalen Adams is going to do one thing in an NBA game, it's going to be get his feet set and shoot a three-point shot because when he shoots them, you know, he it's just perfect repetition. They all look exactly the same. Uh, he made four or seven threes in this game. He scored a career-high 14 points. And, you know, don't look now, but uh, for the season, he's shooting 47.8% from three, which probably isn't sustainable unless, of course, teams defend the way the Bulls defended in this one, which was to just let him have a lot of good shots. He had a lot of good looks. Um, he had one nice late uh, on an assist from Len. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he also did a nice job of point guarding. He had four assists. I think the nicest one was 
there was a double screen action where uh, he came across a double screen with Vince Carter and Alex Lynn. Vince Carter popped up to the top. Alex Lynn rolled. Both defenders went with Lynn. And then they had a holy, you know, a holy crap moment when they saw Vince open. So one of the defenders started to kind of sprint over towards Vince. And at that moment, Jalen Adams fired a bullet pass between the two Bulls defenders and got uh, Len a wide open shot at the rim, which was great. So good stuff to see from Jalen Adams. Uh, for the second star, I went with Trey Young here. He had another good game. It's kind of a shame that he didn't get to finish it because, you know, he, he had three consecutive games where he set a career high. He had 36 and then tied it with 36, and then he had 49. Uh, and he probably wasn't going to get there anywhere near there in this game. But he did finish with uh, 18 points and five assists. The offense looked great in his hands once again. Uh, he made three of his four threes. And, you know, don't look now, but his three-point percentage is up over 33% uh, for the season. So, you know, he's doing well. It's a shame that he didn't get to finish it and see what he could have done given his hot streak for the week. But uh, even only playing three and a half games, as we'll talk about in a minute, I think he's got a legitimate case for Eastern Conference Player of the Week. We'll run through some of those numbers uh, momentarily. And for the number one star, let's go with Alex Len. He had a season-high 28 points. Uh, I've gushed for weeks now about Dwayne Dedman's versatility. You know, Dedman has shown that he's equally skilled at the pick-and-pop man, the pick-and-roll. And today with Alex Len, we saw pretty much the same thing. Uh, when he was out there with Vince, he was the role man. Vince didn't have his greatest game, but... The Bulls still respected him, and as a role man, Alex Len plays with a lot of force. Uh, when he's out there with Den, when he's out there with Deadman, they can work interchangeably. Sometimes popping, sometimes rolling. Uh, but Len was really an offensive force in this game. He made a bunch of shots at the rim. He made a bunch of threes. He made five threes specifically, which is pretty impressive, given that in his entire son's career. Over five seasons, he made six threes combined. Uh, he made five in just this one game. So, uh, you know, a career night for Len. It wasn't a career high in points. I think that's 30, but he had 28. Uh, so he was right up there. Len's three-point shooting this season has kind of followed the same trajectory as uh, Trey Young's season. He was gangbusters in the preseason and the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Uh, then he started to struggle with that three-point shot. Uh, I'm not saying there's a direct effect, but it seemed to be right around the time that you know there were some reports of him struggling with with back issues. And now, you know, especially over the last month or so, he's flipped it back into uh, looking like one of the better three-point shooters on the team again. Len's three-point percentage is up to 35% for the season. Uh, so that's that's really a terrific mark considering, especially where it was about 
a month ago. Len had a couple of other nice plays that I really appreciated. Uh, there was one where the Hawks took a shot, they missed it, and everybody was about to get back on defense. Most of the Hawks had already turned and ran. Len himself had actually started to turn and go, uh, but the Bulls didn't really secure the rebound in any efficient way, and so even though there were four players there, Len just kind of stopped and turned and swiped it and went in for a putback. Uh, there was another play where even though he was having a hot three-point shooting night, he was out there and you know he could have put up a semi-contested three, uh, but he kind of was patient with it. And then what he did was he waited for Jalen Adams to just kind of run around behind him on a dribble handoff. Uh, it was almost like a center snapping a football. He just kind of gave him a little toss. He took one step forward to kind of set a pick. And he gave Adams a wide-open three-point shot that was a better shot uh, than what he would have gotten even on a night where he was shooting the three-ball really well. So I appreciated that play quite a bit. A few weeks back, I asked Len about the trials and tribulations of trying to get through an entire season of shooting the three-point shot when it's not something that he'd done prior to now. First season, really just kind of getting them up there with a lot of volume. Yeah. What, what are the challenges of kind of sticking with it all the way through the season? Uh, just probably, like, like you said, just stick with it. Um, I had kind of a slump, like, last couple, like, 10 games or whatever. But i just been, you know, coming back in the gym, just putting up shots and just, you know, repetition makes makes it perfect. So, uh, confidence getting back up. I think I'm like five for seven the last couple of games and shooting over 50%. So, just got to keep it going. Keep the confidence for. With, with that, is has the game plan always been all along for you to keep shooting or were there nights where it's like, okay, you know, we're going to come in a little bit to the 15-footer or play in the dunk zone or anything? Or is it pretty much just... Every game, you pretty much the same out there. Uh, I'm the coach. Something like he said, if it's if it's like 16, like just you know, shot clock just started. He was like, maybe just move the ball a little bit. If it's like five or less, don't even think, like don't hesitate, just shoot it. And uh, like it was like sometimes when I don't make him, he was like just try to go aggressive to the rim, get foul, you know, get get yourself going in the game that way, and then step out and you know knock down three. Just make sure it's like it's not the main focus. It's like you know you adding this to your game. I. Uh, Thought it was interesting what he said about the shot clock and completely concur with uh, taking that approach, especially when you know he was going through some parts of the season where that was a difficult shot for him. All right, let's talk for a minute about Trey Young's chances of winning the Eastern Conference Player of the Week award. Uh, he played four games or three and a half games, if you will, and he was the leading scorer in the Eastern Conference for the week, averaging almost 35 points a game. As I'm recording here on a Sunday evening, the games involving Eastern Conference teams uh, just concluded. So these are the final numbers for the week. Trey averaged 34.8 points a game. He shot over 50% from the field and he shot 55.9% on threes. He averaged 9.8 assists per game. The Hawks won two of their four games. Uh, if you look at some of the other competitors in the East, uh, Kawhi averaged 29 points a game, but I think he missed a game today for load management. Uh, I think that probably hurts his case a little bit, uh, especially given that the Raptors played just three games and he missed one of them. 
Uh, Bradley Beal had a good week. He averaged 27.3 points a game, over six rebounds, over six assists, and the Wizards went two and one. He's a candidate, but come on, it should be Trey Young. <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich had a nice week, 27 points, uh, but the Pacers went one and three, so it's hard to see him going. Actually, you know, one of the best weeks belonged to John Collins. He averaged 27 points and 10 rebounds, but unfortunately, he missed a couple of games, uh, you know, due to flu-like symptoms, or he might have been a candidate for Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So, uh, you know, the one other player, Giannis, Giannis had a pretty good week. Uh, the Bucks went 2-1. and one. He averaged 25 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 assists, but still... It was Trey's week, so uh, a nice way to make up for a bogus ejection would be for him to win the Eastern Conference Player of the Week award. In other news, uh, the Hawks today announced that Amari Spellman uh, had an MRI on his sprained left ankle, which revealed that it was just a sprain uh, and that there's some soft tissue damage around there, too. And they also said that he will be... Uh, reevaluated or reassessed in four weeks, which is, you know, a huge disappointment. I mean, the Hawks, they're not going to be in the playoffs. Lloyd Pierce has said over and over again in the past few weeks that the rest of the season was about player development. And I'm not sure that there's a player on the roster who stood to gain as much in terms of player development than Amari, uh, because, you know, he struggled at the beginning of the season uh, when John Collins wasn't around and the roster was kind of a mess and the Hawks were floundering, and that wasn't the ideal environment for him in which to learn. Uh, then he struggled with weight and a couple other things that kept him out of the lineup. And then, you know, the last month and a half, he's been playing fantastic. And it really would have been a, a positive opportunity, I think, going down the stretch to just try to be consistent with that. So it was a huge stroke of bad luck in that Bulls loss Friday that, Amari landed on a foot and, you know, went sideways on that ankle and twisted it uh, because he, he had really been putting together a solid second half. Uh, before we finish here, I wanted to talk uh, for a little bit about Trey Young's defense. It was not good at the start of the season, and he's still probably not yet an average NBA defender, but he's certainly shown a lot in the last few weeks. You see him try to get in position more to take charges. You see him poking around trying to get steals a little bit more. His defense in transition has gotten a lot better. There are fewer of those plays where you know he tries to go in for a layup. He overreaches on the layup, falls down, and all of a sudden it's a five on four coming back the other way, and he just gets out of the play and, you know, doesn't try to make the ridiculous effort that it would take to get back into the play. Now, what we've seen is, you know, first of all, just a lot, a lot fewer times that he falls down on the layups. Uh, plus, you know, just just a better effort to get back defensively. He's fighting over screens. Um, you know, overall, he's doing a much better job defensively. Uh, than he did at the beginning of the season. There are fewer cases of him 
just getting lost, right? When it was really bad and when it was really ugly early in the season, there were times where he was just looking around like, hmm, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing here. There are still times, I think Friday we saw a lot of it in the loss to the Bulls. There are times when the, the Hawks get forced into switching when they're not even playing a switching defense, but you know it's just sort of a last resort to keep people covered. They, uh, they end up in switches, and so you know when that happens, you don't want it to happen, but when it happens, uh, you know opponents are going to try to brutalize Trae Young in the post, and what we've seen in the fast, past few weeks I think especially a lot with Kevin Herter is the scram switch. Herter will be guarding somebody on the weak side. Trey Young will be in the ball action. The Hawks will get forced into a switch out of desperation where Trey ends up guarding a big. And so the big most times is just looking to kind of take Trey Young down into the post and beat him up down there, you know, and shoot over the shorter player. And so the Hawks will make that last ditch resort. Herter will dart in from the weak side, tap Trey Young on the shoulder, send him out to the perimeter, and then you'll have Herter in the post, who, you know, is still going to be at a big size and strength disadvantage, but he'll have a lot better chance of doing what he needs to do down there than Trey Young. So it's good to see that the Hawks are making that kind of recognition and uh, trying to patch up some of their flaws defensively. So, you know, seeing this, I asked. Lloyd Pierce about, uh, I think it was Wednesday, uh, about whether or not he thought Trey Young had made some strides defensively. Has Trey made strides defensively, and if so, in, in what parts of He's just, you know, the, the biggest thing for all our guys is to stay engaged. And, um, you know, it's, I'll be able to evaluate more of this individual defense as the season goes on and as, as we finish the season. The engaged side of our defense, you know, when to rotate, you know, who to communicate with, are you getting back in transition? Um, his effort has been great, and I think he's committed. I think he feels when he makes a mistake, and he feels when I'm looking at him when he makes a mistake. And to me, that's big, to acknowledge that I messed up, and he knows when he messes up. Because before, I just kind of went through. He just kind of just went on and got to offense. Now he feels it. There's a little more pride. Um, he doesn't want to let his teammates down. He doesn't want to make those type of mistakes. And that's why he's engaged and he's trying a little bit better. Um, but I, I appreciate the effort that all of our guys have shown that he's made a ton of strides since the beginning. On that idea of Trey playing defense, I would add that in the past couple of months, Trey not only has gotten better as a defender, but he's gotten better as a defensive rebounder. Uh, he's, gotten, he's gotten kind of kind of feisty in there. Uh, there were a couple of times in the win over the Timberwolves this week where Trey went up with Cat. You know, there was a ball up in the air, uh, and Cat and Trey Young were the two players there, and, and Trey didn't back down. Uh, the two times that they went up for it, Cat got one of them, and then on the other, it was just kind of a, they just kind of neutralized each other and tipped it to whoever else got it. Uh, but Trey got up there and just kind of knocked it out of Cat's hands. So it, it's good to see him making that kind of fight on the defensive glass, you know, especially being a point guard who thrives in transition. So he has the ball himself and it's time to go, you know, once once he gets those defensive rebounds. The numbers have gotten better as the season has progressed. And, and here's an interesting statistic. Um, since 
January 1, Trey is averaging 3.4 defensive rebounds per game, which is an identical number to Jaron Jackson Jr., who's also averaging 3.4 defensive rebounds per game since January 1. And obviously, those are two different players, and, and Trey has played a few more minutes per game than Jackson has. But, you know, Jackson is like 6'10 with a 7'5 wingspan. Uh, so for Trey to be competing in that kind of manner is a good sign. You look at his rebounding numbers for the season, and you know they kind of look like the rebounding numbers of some of the better point guards, some of the better rebounding point guards in the East, like John Wall or Kyrie Irving or uh, Kyle Lowry. So that that's a good sign that Trey Young can put himself in that kind of company. Um, a very positive development. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about today was B.J. Johnson, who is making 100% of his shots as a Hawk. That's a great sign, right? Just as long as he can keep making 100% of his shots, uh, he'll be all good. No, but seriously, uh, I should have said something about him, and I'll save that discussion for tomorrow uh, when I talk to Tyler Jones. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to throw some, some B.J. discussion in there. I think I forgot in part because as I was getting ready for the podcast, I was looking at the box score and BJ, no respect from the league. He didn't even get his name in the uh, NBA.com box score. So uh, I need to pay a little bit of better attention even when it's not on the website. But we'll get to that very, very soon. Uh, hopefully tomorrow talking with Tyler. As always, please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, trying to start fresh here on Peachtree Hoops, put podcasts in more frequently. Like I said, we're going to have you know the same kind of podcast we did before with Tyler, but I'm going to try to keep you up to date with some extra post-game and post-practice podcasts. And anything you could do in terms of subscribe, subscribing, rating, and reviewing will be desperately, desperately appreciated. And so thank you for all of that, and uh, I hope to be here again with you sometime soon. Thanks for listening.